The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Basically what Paul is doing here in this chapter, he's comparing two things. He's comparing the, uh, the acts of the sinful nature we see in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature or the acts of the flesh is another way that that can be interpreted. The acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And he gives a whole list of the acts of the flesh and a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. And comparing those two things, if you would jump with me to verse 24, he writes, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh or the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Passions and desires. There's nothing wrong absolutely with passions and desires but if they are rooted in the flesh it 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 breeds what he lists here in this section verse 19 uh, sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition those are bad fruit if you will that 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 when passion and desires are rooted in the flesh this is what happens however when passion and desires are rooted in the spirit, then it, then it gives birth to the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Little Jenny Piccolo plays killer guitar for Granny Smith. Wow! Thanks for joining with me on that. Okay. So this is what we're going after here. Last week, Juno started us off by talking about love. Love. Twoo, love. Uh, <laughs> Juno started us off talking about this, that, that love, this is who we, what we're called to as a church, that Jesus makes it very clear that our mission is to love God and love others. Love, love, love. How are we doing? How is this fruit looking on your tree? How are you loving yourself? Are you loving others? Are you loving your God? How did you do yesterday with Valentine's Day? When uh, Bob was up here and talking about that, did, you know, how many of you went, don't, if you did? I really, sorry, you know, the whole deal there. But, but what's happening with the love piece? And today, this morning, we're talking about number two on Paul's list, joy. Joy, joy, joy. <laughs> hey, let me pray for us as we uh, jump in on the joy piece. Father God, we are thankful for your presence here. And uh, I know that uh, each of us have come into this room with a, with a different story and a different level of joy and a different level of uh, pain and difficulty. And so, Father, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would just translate anything that I have to say, that it would be exactly what you have for each heart that is here. God, would you come and speak? Get me out of the way. Would More of you, more of you, God. Come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, as I've been thinking about this, I cannot get the song that I learned as a little kid I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. What? Okay. And, and then there's a piece that, that we did the more difficult version of it that goes, I got the, bless, the wonderful joy of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. What? And as kids were going, hey, I can say all those funky words, but I had no clue, no clue what that means. Wonderful joy of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Well, that's what we're going to take a look at here. What is this joy piece? Joy. Where is joy in your journey? What does that fruit look like on your tree? Because there's sometimes in life we gotta laugh. Sometimes we gotta laugh. And I dare you not to laugh at this clip. I dare you not to laugh at this little video clip here. Mm. 
a little bit, there is something seriously wrong with you. There is something uh, uh, seriously wrong with you. There is a joy peace that, that God wants us to enter into. Uh, the one who wrote the book of Galatians that we're reading, these fruit of the Spirit, his name is Paul, and he also wrote another book. He wrote the book of Galatians to a church in Galatia. He wrote another book called Philippians to the church in Philippi. And there is a chapter in Philippians that is kind of referred to as the joy chapter, and that's where I want to spend some time on uh, this morning, beginning with uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, what Paul does not mean there is that regardless of what's happening, you just need to put on a plastic smile and just kind of pretend everything is just happy, 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 happy. That is not what Paul says. He is not saying, oh, did you just run into my brand new car? Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's not what he's saying with that. He, he's not saying, oh, thank you so much for disrespecting me in this conversation. Oh, that just warms the cockles of my heart. Or, there's a, that is not what he's saying. There's, life is filled with joyless moments. Life is, is so unfortunately filled with moments that are devoid of joy. Paul is not saying just pretend everything is wonderful throughout the whole thing. Life consists of joyful moments and joyless moments. Life consists of both. And the joyless moments are inevitable. I mean, there's, there's the really difficult joyless stuff that all of us have to endure. But there's even the mundane stuff. I mean, there's just even the fact that we have to go to work, the fact that we have to floss our teeth, the fact that we have to eat vegetables, the fact that we have to do laundry and do maintenance, those kinds of things. Yesterday, I spent a good chunk of time pulling weeds in the front yard. That was my Valentine's gift to my wife. She said, I don't want flowers. I want the weeds gone. And she said, okay, that was my Valentine's gift. Let me just tell you, there was nothing joyful about that experience. There was, I tried, I tried, you know, I tried to whistle. I'm trying to kind of be happy with this. There was no, it was devoid of joy, completely. There are, it's, uh, it's inevitable 
for us to have uh, uh, joyless moments in our lives. And, and the danger part of it is, is that if in every area of your life, every section, if it is saturated with joylessness, that's what leads to a very dangerous emotional and spiritual place. That's what leads to a spiraling depression of, of losing sight of the joy that God wants to bring in through his son Jesus. When, when, when it is all the joyless peace, then it, become, then it can become such a, a dangerous journey for us. Life consists of joyful moments and joyless moments. The joyless moments are inevitable. But I believe that in our journeys, in our walk, God wants us to balance those things out. The, the, the joyless stuff is inevitable, but, but we have the opportunity to balance those out with wonderful, joyful experience. Sometimes in life, we just got to laugh. Sometimes we got to laugh. Let me give you a little bit more, a little bit more laughter. Come on, let's do another one of these little kid things. <laughs> Give him the evil look. That's good stuff. Come on, that's good stuff. There is a reason that God put giggles in little kids. There is a reason that God, and it's not so that parents can feel good about themselves as comedians. Oh, I'm so funny because my little kid is laughing at me. Oh, hey, I'm here all week. Hey, try the, squ the squash. It's really great. You know, that's, that's not why uh, God put giggles into kids. God put giggles into little kids so that parents can be reminded that they like them. That's what they're there for because there are enough joyless moments as parents when it comes to dirty diapers, when it comes to sleepless nights, when it comes to, to unexplainable screaming, etc., etc., etc. There are plenty of joyless moments that God says, I want to balance this out with moments like that, with those kind of giggles that allows parents to just go, I love you. I, do, I just love you. Come on, let's do some more of this. Let's get the video camera out. Let's send it into America's Funnies. Let's make $10,000, whatever the thing is. God has given us this as a beautiful, wonderful gift to balance this stuff out. I need joy in my journey. I need, when I uh, identify the people that I want to spend time with, there is going to be a balance between the maybe joyless parts of the just really serious getting down to it what's happened in the relationship whatever as well as the joy stuff I want to be a church that has a balance of those things where we are going after the reality of pain and depression and hurt etc we are going after that stuff but there's also times to laugh there's also an experience of joy that we are balancing this stuff out I want to have a staff where we do that together. I want to have a family that grows up doing that stuff together. My relationship with my wife has to have both those pieces for me to be balanced, for me to be healthy. If that fruit is not there in those relationships, something is desperately missing. Which makes me think about how we fill our time. Okay, we have 
inevitable joylessness in our journeys. And then we have other times in our lives where we get to choose how we're going to fill it. And it's so odd to me that sometimes we fill that extra time with things that aren't really very joyful for us. Sometimes that our leisure activities don't replenish the joyful peace that we need. I was on a cruise once in my life in the year 2000 before we had kids. My wife and I said, we're going to have a, a cruise-a-palooza and, and we're, we're just kind of one final kind of big thing before we go for it and have kids. And we went on one uh, cruise. It was fabulous. This, we're talking about a cruise in the Caribbean. Joyful, beautiful skies. It was, it was just gorgeous. We're floating on a luxury cruise line. It was so fantastic. And on the journey from the dining hall to our room, we had to walk through a casino. Every time it was part of the journey, we had to walk through a casino. And it was so obvious to me that no one in the casino, on a cruise, a luxury, beautiful vacation experience, they're choosing their leisure time to be in the casino gambling piece. I didn't see anyone smiling. I didn't see anyone. People don't play slot machines and go, oh. That's, that is not that experience. It's the same with, I mean, I looked around. It's the same with everybody. You go, shh, tick, tick, tick. Shh, tick, tick, tick. Shh, tick, tick, tick. Win or lose, win or lose, it's the same expression at the card tables, whatever. People can't have too much joy in that thing, or unless you win a million dollars, which happens once every trillion times that you pull the trigger or whatever. There's just a joyless experience. What are we filling our extra time, our leisure time, our joyful time with? So I've been thinking about this for the past month or so and how I fill my leisure time, my kind of just for me time, the number one thing for me is to play hockey. That's the number one thing for me to kind of, to kind of replenish my all, my all about me time is I love to play hockey. And as I've been thinking about it over the last month, People don't smile when they play hockey. That is not, I mean, you know, it's contact sports and that kind of stuff. You're, you're not smiling because you got it, even though you got the mask on, you're doing the, I'm tough. Don't, don't, you, don't you think I'm not tough because I'm going to take you down. There's this, this thing, and even with teammates, yeah, good goal. Yeah, okay, we're tough. We're good. We're good. We're not smiling here. And I've decided, really, the last few weeks, I've decided I'm going to smile when I play hockey. I have. I've been doing it very intentionally. And now I can't smile when I'm like, you know, gritty going for something, but like, while we're waiting for the puck to be dropped, I'm trying to do one of these. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really trying to, trying to work with our team. I love our team. I love the guys on our team. It's a lot of fun. And I'm just trying to smile with this thing. Can joy, because what I want to do with hockey is I want to remind my face that I actually enjoy this. That's, that's, that is an important piece. God really does want you to experience joy. He really does. He wants to give you experiences of pleasure, of joy. I will remember, I'll never forget when I was uh, a young boy between maybe 10, 13, something, and I was looking for, um, I was searching in the bookshelf uh, at our home up in Edmonton, and way in the back, I found this book entitled The Joy of Sex. Yeah, somebody says it found this book, The Joy of Sex, and uh, uh, it's gonna, this morning is going to be pretty interesting because my parents are going to be in the second service, and they never knew that I found this uh, book, <laughs> so the next service is going to be a little awkward, <laughs> but, uh, but I tell you, as a, as, a, as a 13-year-old boy, 
Growing up at a time that I didn't have anybody to talk to about this stuff, there wasn't internet for me to say, this was my almanac. I mean, this was the answers to all my questions. This, this was, I mean, the joy of sex. But what an appropriate name for a book, really. The joy of sex. It is only humans that God made the procreation process an enjoyable thing. It is only with humans that we enjoy the thing. Now, it certainly gets us into a whole lot of trouble sometimes, but God is the one who put the pleasure part of it. God is the one who makes sex an enjoyable, pleasurable thing. Not in the animal kingdom do we find that. Have you ever listened to cats? Do it. You ever listen to that? Okay, that, there's a lot of pain going on there. There's not a lot of joy happening there for anyone involved. That's just the way to... God wants to give us, but that's the way he designed a sex piece. And if I've gone too far, I really apologize. <laughs> we're friends here. We're, I'm just going to back up a little bit and go back on this track. Okay, we're, I'm off of that deal. Okay. But God just loves us so much that, that he wants us to experience, to balance this out, to have joy, to have pleasure in our journeys. Let me go back with you to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and I want to read a section of, uh, of Scripture here. You can read it along with me, or if you don't have your Bibles, I invite you to just, I invite you actually to just close your eyes and listen to me read this. And I want you to envision the setting in which Paul writes this. Okay, Paul is, an, is, an, is a man later on in years, fairly old, older guy. I want you as I read this to imagine what it looks like for him to be writing this. What is he wearing? What does the room look like? What does the chair look like? What is the pen, the paper, the table? What's on the table? What's happening in the setting? Create a picture in your mind of the setting where he writes, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It's pretty easy to imagine the setting in which Paul writes this to be a pleasurable experience. He's in a posh, beautiful church, or perhaps he's in a, he's in a home, in the comfort of his home. Some of you know this, but Paul wrote Philippians from prison in chains with guards right next to him in chains in a dungy uh, uh, prison where he can't take care of himself and he's in prison, dirty, yucky, uh, hungry in that whole situation. And he writes these words. It's easy to say, as Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's easy to say that when we're surrounded by joyful atmosphere, when we're surrounded by joyful circumstances. Oh, yes, so it sure is. Pass me some more caviar, you know, with that kind of scene. But that is absolutely the opposite of what Paul is experiencing as he writes this. He's in prison. I think this, this book packs more of a wallop when we really embrace the conditions in which Paul writes this. All circumstances. Paul is not saying, as he, as he uh, divides this out, he is not separating two different kinds of people. There's these kinds of people and these kind of people. The haves and the haves not, have-nots. The ones with plenty and the ones who are in need. The ones who are fed 
and the ones who are hungry, the ones who are joyful, the ones who are joyless. He's not separating two kinds of people. He's saying that all of us, each one of us, have moments where we have each of these situations go on. Each one of us have moments of being in plenty and moments of being in want, moments of having joy and moments of joylessness, moments of being hungry and moments of being well-fed. That our lives are this, are this uh, uh, intertwining of all this. And it's the balance of those things that is evidence, evidential fruit on the tree as to what's happening inside. And so Paul is saying here, we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. That whatever the circumstances, there is a joy in knowing Christ that can help balance us out at any time, any circumstance. This is a major perk of having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Around here we talk about the C's, A through G, the C's, and, and letter C is connect with God. This is what it's all about, to have a genuine, intimate, personal connection with a living creator. That's why it's really not enough for your soul to come to church and to put on the plastic face and to go, God is good all the time. And have, have that be it. What's happening for you personally? Are you really connecting with him? I'm not saying this as a guilt thing or as pointing fingers. I'm talking about an invitation to this beautiful perk of being able to have the joy that comes through a relationship with Christ regardless of the circumstances. Here in chapter 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I love what he does there because it's almost like he gives a pause for us to come up with some excuse. And then he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. So consider Paul's circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but I'm in prison. I'm locked up. I'm hungry. I can't do what I want to do because of the people who are, who are threatened by me. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but I'm lonely. I'm really struggling with relationships. I'm new in town. And my family, we haven't been able to connect with people yet. I'm sitting here in this room with hundreds of people and no one here even knows my name. I'm lonely, I'm relationally struggling. I will say it again, rejoice. Because God wants to bring us into community to break through those joylessness pieces and balance that out. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but I just lost my job. And with the financial turmoil that my family is in, our, our, we are upside down in our house. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. This is the most difficult financial time I've ever experienced. I will say it again. Rejoice. Because God is still in control. He, will, he takes care of the lilies. He takes care of the birds of the air. He will take care of you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I bring, what my past is. You don't know how out of place I feel in this group with all these good people sitting around here. You don't know what I've done. I will say it again, rejoice. Because that's why Jesus died on the cross, to cover anything, any guilt, any history, any past that you're experiencing. I will say it again, rejoice. Life is filled with joyless and joyful moments and God so desperately through the power of his son Jesus wants to give us the opportunity to experience joy may we experience joy 
individually, as families, as a church. May that fruit on our tree be plump and juicy and beautiful. Let me me pray as we wrap up. Father, I know that joy is, is not just being happy and just painting a smile on our faces no matter, no matter what the circumstances are. But God, you want us to be real. You want us to be so real in our relationships and honest and true. And that leads to joyless, difficult, painful moments and experiences and conversations. God, would you give us the courage to, to enter into those, not to pretend that those aren't around. But God, may would you help us to balance those out with the joy that you offer. That at moments where there's nothing else, God, there is the joy in having a relationship with you. And God, you want to pour into that so much. We put our cup before you, God, just fill it up. Fill it up as we continue to worship here today. Fill it up. May we experience your joy. Help us to smile more. Help us to choose leisure activities that that fill our joy cups up. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.